All right. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Wedding Pros Podcast. Um, super excited. We got a special guest today. But um, before we get into that, I just want to remind you to subscribe, hit the button on YouTube. Of course, we're on Apple and uh, Spotify and a number of other podcasting platforms. So definitely check us out. Give us a subscribe. Super, super helpful um, to do that. So today we got a special guest. We got Binge Heish. Did I say that right? Oh, hello. That, that is correct, Very yeah. <laughs> um, so Benj and I had the opportunity to work together in like September out in San Francisco. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Um, did, was, did I annoy you too much? Was I out of the way? How did I do? No, man, it was great. Yeah, good, good. Um, and then uh, you, you probably don't even remember meeting Jared, but I, you guys ran into each other at workshop <laughs> in Brooklyn. Like yes, in sir. The, Yep, was Benj like, was a uh, super nice dude, was just going around eating tacos and saying hi to everybody, and I was like, oh man, that guy's really nice, I bet he does a lot of weddings. And then it was like, oh, Benj is a speaker, and then he's also uh, super duper famous, and everyone in the world knows Benj, and just like, yeah, I was like, ah, this guy's awesome, why, like, I don't know, I, we talk about it all the time, we're like, you know, people in the industry that are most successful, it always seems like they're just like the nicest people in the world. And I'm, I, I don't know. It's I'm like, sure we've all met a few duds, but I think in general that, that yeah. is true. <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, yeah. So binge, let's just kind of, we all love making images, right? I don't think yeah. I like making images as much as you like making images. <laughs> like <laughs> you shoot, like, it seems like you shoot photos like every day. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I have a, uh, I have three point and shoot film cameras on my desk right now. I have a, uh, this oh, wow. is a, an underwater, an underwater <laughs> camera that looks like a toy, but I just got the first scans back from it and it's amazing. Uh, got that. This is like another camera I carry almost every day. It has like a Zeiss lens on it. And then, uh, I got this one recently. Uh, and it's like my new favorite camera, but they're all small little film cameras that yeah pretty much wherever i go whatever i do i always have at least one camera on me um yeah how did you decide I love photography how did you decide that like <clears throat> the little point and shoot camera was gonna be your voice <laughs> at least like the daily kind of thing yeah yeah i mean um it would be harder for you guys obviously because video gear is just so much bigger i'm a photographer by the way in case anybody didn't know that part about it um, I'm gonna open this cabinet up right here, but um, if I if I had to carry around like a camera like this big all day oh, every yeah. day, you know, like that just wouldn't work very well. So I'm for those listening at home, I'm holding like a Hasselblad or any basically you know regular DSLR camera. Uh, they're just so big and cumbersome and um, isn't conducive to actually, you know, using on a daily basis. So these little guys are like a little bit bigger or even smaller in some regards than my phone. Uh, so most of my point and shoots are a little bit thicker, obviously, because they have to be as thick as a roll of film, but they're smaller in the footprint otherwise than my phone is. And so, yeah, um, I just love carrying them around. And I love the process specifically of shooting film too, because then I'm I'm not uh, worried about editing it. It's a completely separate process from my work process. Totally. Um, so I'm not worried about importing the photos later and editing them and all that stuff. I just like you know mail a bunch of rolls of film out to a lab and. Well, yeah. you, you basically removed all the barriers that most of us have to creating work, which is like when mm -hmm. I think yeah. about <clears throat> if I think about shooting video, 
I immediately think about editing video. Yeah. And then I go, totally. I don't want to edit video. I, I can't tell you how many yeah. photos I have from <laughs> traveling. And I'm like, I still have to edit those from like two years ago. And it's just like, you know, I'll get yeah. around to it eventually. You won't. Maybe, but your, probably not. Your backlog <laughs> will, because the it's funny. We all love shooting photos. Mm-hmm. And we all yeah. love having photos. But very, I don't know, there's probably some masochist out there that loves editing photos. And there are times where I guess I love editing. Did, but did you incorporate film just from the moment you started doing photography, Benj? Was it like something that you were passionate about? Or did you start with digital? And, you know, what what did that kind of look like? Yeah, sure. I mean, so still the majority of my, my professional work, yeah. and especially because I'm a, a wedding photographer, and so I take you know, upwards of like 100,000 photos a year. And still like that majority is all digital. Yep. Yep. Um, but I started like that, that Hasselblad I showed um, was my uncle's, my dad. I have like my dad's Nikon F2 from the 70s. Uh, so those cameras I just kind of grew up knowing about. And it was sort of a part of, I guess, like my family's visual history yeah, and legacy and stuff like that. And so... Yeah, I always liked that. And then I only took one photography class in college and it was like a black and white dark room, you know, old school film class like that. Um, and so I did some of that kind of stuff, developed my own film and did my own prints in the dark room and stuff like that. But um, I also started taking photos in 2007. So that was right kind of when film was really taking its big nosedive yeah. and digital was really on the ascent to something that was completely viable as a professional. Um but yeah, I've always just kind of loved the look and the feel and the process of shooting film. Um, and so I think that's a big part of it. It's just it's a completely separate process in terms of how you go about shooting and how you go about getting those images back and, and that whole thing. So I, I love vintage cameras. Like I, I think of it like this last year I started getting into like watches and I haven't made the plunge into like yeah. vintage watches yet, but I'm like kind of weeding it out and the whole like legacy of like family and like handing down and i think it's the same with cameras like i have a good like uh canon ae one from my dad and then my grandfather's passed down like an old minolta too so i have all these cameras that like i like to shoot but they're hand-me-downs too so it it almost like adds to the authenticity of (laughs) images that i'm trying to take everything that has to do with like an heirloom right I mean, that's really what we do mm-hmm. for work. We're making heirlooms. Oh, totally. It, it, it's funny yeah. when, like, people... I'm not a very nostalgic person. Yeah. Like... I'm totally opposite. Yeah. No, I'm not nostalgic. Like, <laughs> I'm like, if I could have nothing in my house that I didn't use, I would be happy. Um, oh, man. I'm, like, the exact opposite. <laughs> but, but, like, there is this old guitar that we have in our family, like a 1965 acoustic Gibson, which... Is yeah. not in good shape. That's awesome. But <laughs> but we it love fixed. it. It's our in like little yeah. things like every there's always like this little thing of like something that gives you a meaningful memory of a person, a place, an experience. Like, you know. Yeah. And and I do feel like like a lot of people like are negative about phones, for instance. But I look at it and I'm mm-hmm. like, for me, it's really set me free. Because I'm not a person who wants to be encumbered by a bunch of cameras and a bunch of clutter in my house and a bunch of things. Mm. But I actually do value, and it's made me shoot more. And it's made me capture more memories. So um, it's interesting because really what we kind of did there is we talked about doing a thing because Mm -hmm. of how it made us feel. Yeah, that's it. 
That's it. Yeah. How's it make you feel when you're actually shooting? Yeah. Totally. And so that's cool. Um, So we were talking on the phone and just talking about maybe what we would end up discussing today. And and I kind of asked you the question, which was like, how did you go from being a successful wedding video or photographer? Um, Actually, you told me you did do a little video. You started that. <laughs> I, I did. Is there proof of that yeah. somewhere on the, Bad news. the World Wide Web? <laughs> oh, definitely not. I hope not. <laughs> but, um, you, you know, you went from being, I think, a successful photographer who did really well, which you used to blog, like, an insane amount. <laughs> like, you were... That was the thing, man. It used to be really... I mean, it's still important, but yeah, it used to be the main sort of form of social media and all that stuff. Yeah. So, so you were doing this and doing this and doing this, and a lot of other people were. And then you did a, a wedding in like 2013, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was who, what was that couple's so, yeah. name? Uh, yeah. So I, I think, I'm assuming you're referring to Nick and Laura who got married. They did like the first like true adventure elopement yeah, well, where it was just the two of them on a mountain kind of thing. Yeah. That's it's, what it was. That's so funny because Jay mentioned that and he was like, yeah, you know, this is like we're talking the other day and he mentioned this and I was like, oh, what was that? And I was like, I've, yeah, I definitely remember seeing that right around that time and being like, because mm-hmm. it, it was actually on the video side. I remembered it, the video from it. Yeah. Um, oh, the video was insane. Video yeah. was blew up as well. Who and made I was that like, video again? I I can't tell uh, you. Yeah, well, you could probably can. I could tell you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. His name is his name's Jansen Powers. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. That's right. I don't I don't think he does video for wedding stuff anymore. Yeah. But he's a, an amazing videographer based in Brooklyn now, and uh, yeah, his stuff's amazing. Yeah. So, but I so that wedding blew up. And, yeah. and so tell me a little bit about that. Cause like my question is always like when you're making something, I feel like, like you don't always know what you're making. Were you like making this film and you're like, mm-hmm. this is going to blow up. Yeah. I mean, uh, so a, a little bit like of my backstory and stuff like that. I mean, I'm like wearing a North face jacket. Yep. I live in the Pacific Northwest. Like I grew up camping and being on a lake and, being in the mountains, I was like my parents, my mom would like pick us up from school in the afternoon and we'd go snowboarding. Uh, like we were always just kind of like out camping and, and doing that kind of thing all summer long, right? And then what would happen is I became a wedding photographer and then all of my friends and family and all those camping trips that we used to go on, I wouldn't be able to go on anymore because I was shooting some wedding in downtown Seattle uh, or you know somewhere else, but they were just... Uh, normal weddings in terms of uh, planning and uh, locations and just things you would think of as like a typical wedding. Um, And so I was realizing more and more that all the things that I was doing on a weekend now were so different from, you know, what the rest of my life had been growing up uh, in terms of weekends and stuff. And then I kind of started thinking, man, I bet there are other people that like wouldn't necessarily always want to do the ballroom wedding thing. And uh, yeah, so I started pushing my clients a little bit before that too to like, you know, maybe instead of like doing the photos at this golf course, maybe we can do the photos at this cliff that overlooks the ocean instead and uh, stuff like that and started pushing in that way. And then a friend of mine uh, who knew that couple, Nick and Laura, was their officiant um, and kind of pitched me to them and them to me, vice versa. Um And I just told them, oh my gosh, yes, what you guys are doing is exactly what I've been wanting to do as well. Um, And I just remember telling them, like, whatever you can pay me, like, 
let's just do it because that's the thing that I want to do as well. Um, and I, I felt like if I could make those things line up for me uh, and those people who they were, like Nick was like an X Games like medalist for snowboarding uh, and Laura at the time had like 150,000 Instagram followers. And so you just kind of knew that like all those things were setting up in a way that um, it made sense to do kind of at all costs. And so, uh, yeah, they paid me probably less, probably like a third of my normal rate for all that stuff. But I was just like, nope, I'm going to do it. And hopefully this goes as well as, you know, I'm hoping it will. At the very least, you're putting out into the world the type of client you want to get and the type of work you want to yeah, do. Yeah, and exactly the kind of thing I want to do more of. Mm -hmm. um, and so 100% it was going to be worth that gamble, at least to have that stuff in the portfolio. If it resonated with people, cool. Like, that's awesome. That's the goal. But even if it didn't resonate with people, that's like the thing that I wanted to do more of anyway. And so hopefully it would grab a couple people. But yeah, it went from hopefully to grab a couple people to being like one of the most, if not the most popular wedding that entire year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was like, I think it was the most pinned wedding of the year on Pinterest. Yeah, and it was like the most... Pinterest. Uh, it was the... Yeah, it was the most popular wedding on Green Wedding Shoes, mm -hmm. the, that wedding blog, that especially then was like, for anybody that wasn't trying to do a traditional wedding, was like top of the, top of the game for sure. So now that kind of adventure wedding, elopement, which um, thing is... It's relative. I wouldn't say it's popular yet, like because we get a lot of inquiries and barely any of them for elopements, and it's not just because we don't. And we live yeah. in New England too, so it's very cold. Yeah, it's year. definitely a little different. But at the same <laughs> time, I think it's popular, and a lot. Every I, what I do know is maybe every couple doesn't aspire to do that, but every photographer aspires to do it. <laughs> like it seems like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely different too out west, uh, just because we have so much more of that sort of like natural landscape and big national parks and everything like that. And so out here, it's like crazy popular. Totally, totally. A lot more cutting edge than than Boston, who wins like the least stylish and least thoughtful like GQ, we win <laughs> the least stylish oh, city yeah. of the year. <laughs> of time. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, completely. Well, my condolences. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> wearing a, a, like a hoodie. Everybody's wearing a hoodie. The whole city's wearing a hoodie. <laughs> Um, oh but gosh. it provides opportunity at the same time because if if you know oh for sure if if we're the only people kind of pushing a certain type of product then people are going to gravitate towards it, it automatically so, it's so a little bit well that's really bit. where I was headed yeah. anyway which is like yeah there's this concept of being on the bleeding edge right where what's mm -hmm. funny is I I went back and your photos are amazing and always amazing so I went back and looked and like at some of the work that was pushed the industry forward. Right, because of it was something innovative, like, oh, we're gonna do smoke or we're gonna do mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is. And like some of it's not that good. It it's fine, it's not terrible, but yeah. it made a huge mark because you're on the edge and and I, I don't really know how to tell someone like if they were like, How do I be on the bleeding edge of something and be on the front of the next big trend? It's like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't mm -hmm. give anyone advice on doing that. But I think you kind of hit on something, which is one of the things that you can do is you can lean into your instincts and just do what you want to do. Mm. And who knows, totally. maybe other people will be into it. Like, cause like you said, you thought, well, I'm going to get more of these couples. I'm sure you didn't think this is going to grow my Instagram following by like 140,000 people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean like my, my whole thing too, uh, and I guess we'll, we'll probably end up dovetailing into this at some point, though, is I think the thing about 
that being successful for me is because it was something I already wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It wasn't me trying to be like some sort of trendsetter or I wasn't trying to like create a new niche in the industry. Yep. Um, it was just something that like this would be more of a natural thing for me to do than what I'm currently doing. So yep. I'm going to kind of like explore that realm a little bit more, you know? Well, that's how you're going to create authentic work, right? That's actually going to be sustainable for you. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's, yeah, 2020 Benj, you know, things have changed mm-hmm. a lot since then. Would you say you're sure. you're kind of able to be a, a little bit more, I would assume a lot more choosy about the type of couples that you're working with now and you're, you're able to do a lot more of the work that you're trying to do in general? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I mean, I could talk for an hour about that specifically, yeah. but um, my, my rule of thumb too, is that I've actually never turned down a couple no kidding. for yeah. their style or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. I've never said like, Hey, we're not going to work together. Um, what I've always done is just made very, very clear, like who I am, how I approach things, what I do, what I value, what their overall outcome is going to be like. Um, and if their values and what they're looking for out of their photos also lines up with that really well, then like, cool, we're going to be a good fit. And it doesn't necessarily matter where that thing is going to be. It doesn't have to be on a mountaintop. It doesn't have to be wherever, as long as like our visions for the rest of the stuff that like actually matters lines up. Totally. Um, there's a lot of other things and qualifications with that. And then with, you know, budgets and stuff like that, that, that yeah. sort of like are natural disqualifiers. Yeah. But um yeah, I think I think that's another thing is just people often will just go like, okay, this is my ideal client. I'm not booking anybody else but my ideal client. And then they turn down a bunch of work and a bunch of people who would be genuinely amazing for their yeah. business at the detriment of their own reputation almost because they're going like, oh, yeah, I was thinking about hiring this guy to do this thing, but oh, he said I wasn't cool enough or my style wasn't yeah. cool enough. I'm an adventure whatever. photographer. You know what I mean? only would ever do adventure. We, we talk about that a lot, the ideal client, and it seems yeah. like that's been like a really like trendy um, thing. You know, they, they talk about it a lot at workshops, and to a certain extent, I, I probably believe it. Like they obviously, the natural disqualifiers and, and whatever price point, mm-hmm. um, overall vision and, and ideals. But the the whole like, well, they aren't up my out. I think that's translated a lot into what you said. Like, I think they're not it's my style like, or whatever. And it's like, oh, it's not really. It's kind of that. been like I, an I insidious kind of movement based on something good. Oh yeah, it's it really yeah. turns me off to be honest because I'm like, first yeah. I'm an entrepreneur, right? And I'm like, so you're so successful that you can turn down your entire lead funnel. <laughs> like, give me a break. Nobody's yep. that successful. Eventually, it'll taper off for anybody. <laughs> You know, you're not living off 2013. You're living off 2019, like Benj. Oh H, yeah. You know. Oh, for sure. And so, so, so Benj is the same as any of us. Like, and and I think at the end of the day, like, I just think people are important. People matter. Like, people aren't tools for your career. It's yeah. their wedding day. Totally. Like, it's just ridiculous. And so for mm-hmm. like, what's funny, like Caitlin and Steve, that was not an adventure wedding. Yeah. Like, no, we, yeah, we had no space even to do portraits. You know, yeah. <laughs> we barely even had time yeah. to do portraits. It was wonderful yeah. experience. The couple was amazing. Yeah, it was great. I was I happy with the work that I that I got out of it. I and it looked like your stuff was great too. And and then of course it was more challenging in a different way. So I enjoyed that because it was like, oh, this was a little yeah. challenging, <laughs> and this was a little challenging. And how do I continue to be professional in my non ideal workspace? And I feel like. 
if you only work with the doing the same thing, and this is what I think people don't realize, doing the exact same thing with the exact same type of people will make your work boring to you. Hmm. Like, yeah, I can see. I mean, that's one of the reasons I love wedding photography specifically is just because you have to do every different type. I have to be good at product photography. I have to be great at portraiture. I have to mm -hmm. be great at photojournalism. I have to think on my feet and like, you know, be able to set up portraits in five minutes in bad lighting, you know, like, and you're dealing with different people every single weekend. It's not like I'm just, you know, flipping burgers or doing an assembly line thing. Um, even if you did the same wedding at the same or another wedding at the same venue or something like that, it's still going to be different. But Oh, yeah. That's why it's yeah. funny. To, I don't know. Do you still get this? Have you ever shot that venue before question? Or are you out of that question? <laughs> Uh, every once in a while, especially like it's, it's more like, Hey, like I just got one, uh, this is going to sound uh, pretentious or whatever, but I just got one for Patagonia the other day and I was like, Oh yeah. And they're like, have you ever been to Patagonia? I was like, no, but I've been to, and I got to list all these other places that were really similar to Patagonia. <laughs> you know, I've been to a mountain. Before. <laughs> yeah. I live right next to mountains. I, yeah, there's lots of stuff. Are you worried that mountain? Are you worried that? Yeah. <laughs> like, I've watched Emperor's no, New Groove. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I often just tell people though that like, you know, I unless your wedding's underwater, I've probably shot and you know, taken photos in a really similar location. Well, but before. not only that, like my, Now you have the camera, the underwater camera. You have for, that underwater yeah, camera. I do. Yeah. I could shoot it on this tiny little point and shoot. <laughs> this, this thing was 30 bucks and it was actually awesome. I just got the scans back. I can only roll. do your wedding <laughs> underwater with this camera. <laughs> Yeah, a 32 um, millimeter. It yeah. might flash, but who knows? <laughs> but like the point being is like you can shoot the same environment, but like the people are what makes it unique and different. Um, and of yeah. course, the environment Absolutely. can too and the weather and whatever, but there's just so many challenges. And like I don't think it benefits a person to try to lock themselves into one. I do think price range is great. I think lock yourself into a price range by all means. Fine. You got to do what you got to do and demand and all that <laughs> stuff. And I'm all about that. <clears throat> but I think I'm just like, I don't like thinking about my clients as like a mechanism from their, their people and it's weddings. So um, the human part of what, what we do, I think is, um, I think it's the most special part, you know? And it's the part that I think absolutely that we, we can get pretty caught up in. So like, w do you think a lot of wedding photographers maybe – like kind of lose track of that sometimes. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the hard part is, um, in terms of feedback and stuff like that, we have social media. Now we have all these different outlets that are constantly providing us with feedback. Um, and oftentimes I'm only going to hear back like maybe once or twice from each client about like what things were important to them, what things they really enjoyed about the work that I produced for them. But I might post that same work or parts of that same work on social media five, six, seven, eight, nine times, and I will be getting feedback from other people who weren't those clients who are only seeing the highlight of that particular thing. Um, and then we, as photographers, and I think there's probably this for video as well, there's you know awards and uh, there's different ways that you can get accolades for that work. Um, and so I find that if you're not careful, you can turn your clients into like your, the product that you're putting out and them being less of a person and more of a product or a portfolio builder for you to build your you know empire or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and so I find that, yeah, that's a huge issue because, you know, sometimes your motives for making good work 
um, might not be aligning with what the client wants, depending on if you're communicating right and what those client expectations are for you. Um, and I'm sure we all fall into that at some point. We're going to put something in our film or we're going to make a photo that you're just going to go, this is really cool. The client will hopefully like it because they like your style, but it might not be necessarily 100% for them, right? Well, I was working on a wedding the other day and I was like, I found myself disappointed a little bit with it and mm -hmm. it just didn't look the way I was hoping it would look and it's nothing to do with the actual quality of the, the people. Anything or, they would ever notice in a million years. No, they would yeah. never care. Yep. And, and they would actually probably not like what I liked. They would like mm, it exactly how they yeah. did it. That's, that's what yep. they liked. And, and, oh, totally. And that's what it is. And like in the moment I was watching and she was saying something, cause we have the benefit of feedback from the audio. Yeah. Yeah. And she said something totally. and I was like, Oh wait, this is really special. Like this is a really special thing, um, um, and and I think it really um, it really hits you every once in a while that it isn't about you. You know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Like I mean, my my whole thing is like I I have like the goal, and you guys have the goal too of like creating the visual history for these people, right? Like you are like you said you said earlier you said you called your work and stuff like that heirlooms were creating heirlooms for people. Um, and I find that like I've been married 10 years now and the, the longer I go, the less those actual visual memories that I had with my own eyes yeah. are my memories. My stuff is now tied more and more every probably day that goes by to the photographs and stuff like that, that were at my wedding. And especially if, you know, I didn't have a video, but if I had a video, all those memories were going to be tied to those moments in video and in photo. And so we have all that kind of stuff, um, to be those like sort of eyes and ears and become the memory for those people. Um, and I also, I often like tell myself, you know, like if I see photographers doing this all the time, they'll post a photo that's like really, really cool. And as far as like, you know, aesthetically and you know, I can tell like the lens was cool and like the bokeh is right. And the lens flares coming in perfectly and all this stuff, it's all aligned as a photo really good. And then I see photographers being like, oh my gosh, but they made this other photo that someone took on a phone as their profile picture. And I'm like, well, yeah, because the photo you took of them is really, really cool and really, really technically amazing, but it just wasn't flattering. And there was no emotion, no anything connected to that. Well, and that's um, honestly... Other than the, your technical greatness, you know? <laughs> the client doesn't care about you, probably. Very yeah. few, some of them do, but in general, they... I mean, they do, yeah. But not all but of them. not in terms of like... <laughs> it's yeah and it's I mean, like i gotta always. be kind of okay with that like that's not my goal it's to make them like view me as some celebrity who no is a big deal yeah. to them or i don't even if they're not my friend even if we we have a good working relationship my goal is to give them photos that make them feel remember why they got married or totally. think of a great day in their life yeah or absolutely in, for me it's always like people over portfolio. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if as if I can go into it going like, here are my preconceived things that I want to accomplish here, but if any of those personally for me end up superseding what would be best for my client, then those get overridden well, immediately, right? You remember Caitlin and Steve, um, Steve's dad had some um, disabilities um, yeah. and I, they asked me for certain things in that video. I'm sure they asked you for certain sure. things. And that was the most, they're the most important images. Yeah. 
not not the ones with the most technical skill. We could, of course, do those technically skilled, you know, do the best we can with those images. Yeah. But that was important to her that she got that memory yeah. from that day. Yeah, and that's not the thing I'm going to release on Instagram, but it's the thing that is going to make her want to go. That was an amazing experience working with them. Something that Jay mentioned when he came back from California after working with you was, you know, I was like, he came back and I was like, you know, how was Benj working with him? You know, what, what was different about it? I was it? like, jerk. He was so mean. Yeah. He was like classic. <laughs> the worst. He was like only blue M&Ms. Yeah. <laughs> in the green room. Have that in my writer. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to sit at the head table next to the bride and groom. <laughs> yeah. That's no. where the best shots are, man. Yeah. Hey, that's right. You can <laughs> shoot from the hip, literally. Oh, my um, gosh. Literally. Yikes. But he, uh, he was like, you know, we, we did this one the session the guys were like we should do the shot at the board this boardroom that we're getting ready like hmm. we're like a donald you know donald trump you know boardroom we're all <laughs> they were around. a rowdy bunch yeah it was and, fun yeah <laughs> and he was like and ben joseph said like all right guys let's do it and i was like oh that's not really like yeah. benj's style and I, I, it's just funny because i think a lot of times photographers i've worked with photographers a lot where it's like they won't even come close to that they're like f that crap i don't do that and i've heard oh, it yeah. said to the bride and groom and i'm like oh man like and to hear someone who does as much work as you do and and you know um has the you know um uh reputation that you do i was like oh that's really cool that he was just like go with the flow and and you know it's not about an ego trip at the end of the day no matter how many instagram followers you might have or whatever it's just like make the client happy bring good vibes to the day and um and I was like, oh, yeah, that's that seems right up Benj's alley. Like, you would be the <laughs> yeah. one that would be all I, about that life. I got a sick shot of that boardroom scene. I don't know about you. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I got good shots. It's not something – that's the thing is, like, I think that any time that you just, like, even surprise people – because I've had – I have all the time where some bridesmaid will, like – you know, suggest something that I'm like, oh my gosh, there's in my brain, just going like, there is no way that is like, I'm just thinking internally, this is a bad idea. This is not going to look good, whatever. And then I'll also often see like my client, like the bride or the groom or whoever it is kind of going like, uh, or they'll try to shut that person down. No, he's and been, he's an expert. My goal, even if, yeah. Even if, well, I think it's just like, no, 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 he doesn't do that. But my thing is like if I can just make like positive deposits like that all yeah, day long yeah. by just – if someone suggests doing something, even if I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is not going to work, I'm like, yeah, 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 totally. Let's do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then that usually just changes the mood and the atmosphere of everything because if you're just like agreeing and being positive, what's it going to take you like two minutes totally. like to do something? Even if you think it's like the worst idea in the world, Yep. you know, like – in my mind, I'm praying that like they're never gonna show that photo or not that one, the border one, but but other like ideas Certain that I've not photos. even worse that it blows or whatever, up on aesthetically Instagram, or whatever. You start getting asked but, if you yeah. can do that shot at every wedding by all your clients. Yeah. Can you do no, the one I've where had, I've had leaning over things. making cute faces? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the th but the thing about that is then like I'm not gonna have, you know, a bad if I have a bad interaction with someone early in the day because I've shut their idea down or whatever, that's just going to screw up every other interaction yeah. with I have with that person. Totally. And so if I can just go into it going like, oh, yeah, totally, let's do this, it's not going to take me any time. It's not going to really matter in that overall thing, but it's going to put a positive, like, this guy's game to do whatever we need to do yep. impression yeah. on everyone's mind. You well, know and I mean? if, if they like you when they're sober, they'll love you when they're drunk. Yeah. 
Sometimes <laughs> that's the goal. It can, it can yeah. challenge you too. I think like I, like I had a wedding this summer and and it was a, a tent wedding, tent reception, and um, out out in this field they had made this like um, this uh, the venue did the venue made a a, sure. a a shape of a hearts with with like candles like on this like hill in the distance, and both moms in, at like nine o'clock at night is pitch black out. And they came up, they're like, you know, it'd be great to have a photo of the bride and groom, you know, with that in the background. And I'm like, I'm going to have to like direct flash them. Like, this is not going to be good news. Um, But I was like, well, it's a challenge, right? It's like, you know, it's not really my cup of tea. Maybe it's not up my alley as far as style goes. But you know what? I usually don't use flash that way. Let's give it a whirl. See how it works. And if they like it, great. Yeah, I can make them happy. And and like you said, I like that positive deposits with the bride and groom, mm-hmm. with the family, because at the end of the day, that's the thing that's going to you know, work. Obviously, we have different like trajectories is what you do and what we do with our sure. companies. But I do think at the core, and, I, and, I, and with a lot of people, a lot of different styles of photography and art that gets made and business models and all these things. But I do see a common thread. If, you can, if, if you're wondering, like, how do I be successful? I could be like, I don't know, 20 different ways you can be successful yeah. as, as an artist. The one thing I would say that is a common thread is treating people the right way. We talk about yeah. that a lot on our podcast, but it, it, how it manifests is probably pretty similar to all of us. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Those- I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of, uh, just because I've been doing this, I think it's 13 years now. Uh, which is a really, really long time for photographers. Uh, so when I'm speaking at events and stuff like that, when there's a Q&A thing, often that is like a topic that gets brought up is like, hey, what's like your key to longevity or whatever? Um, and there's a and lot of ways really about old. it. But, oh, I feel super old. Yeah, <laughs> always. Uh, but the thing is, like, I think that I've seen a lot of people like be a trendsetter or do something and then just get really hot and really big for a year or two, a couple of years, really successful. And then they just kind of fall off and then they disappear. Um, and a lot of that I find is because, um, well, not every case, but I think a big key to my longevity is just going like, no, I'm just going to like plug along, do what I want to do, try to treat people the right way, try to make my portfolio and everything like that about what is best for my client. And the more I can do the best for my client in those moments, the more I'm going to get positive interactions with them. Their photos are going to look more natural. All those things are going to work towards me having a great portfolio. Um, And there's times where I could have made better photos technically or portfolio wise or for social media or whatever at the, you know, at the whatever, at the expense of my photographer, my clients. But at the end of the day, it was more worthwhile for me to keep those mm-hmm. positive things going um, and keep those interactions. Most of the time, you know, all of my referrals and stuff like that are gonna be from the wedding party, the immediate family, yep. those clients. And so, if I'm interacting with them well during the day, they're already gonna have a really positive view of me before they even see the photographs. Yep. Um, and then hopefully those photographs are just gonna be like the icing on the cake, the cherry on top, all that stuff to the interactions and stuff like that they had with me when it was going on, right? Yep. Well, it's, it's just, it's how it, you know, if food looks good, it tastes good. And I think if you had a good experience with someone, it looks better to you. Like that couple's going to look oh, at that absolutely. photo and think of, Oh, yeah. that was a lot of fun taking those f- shots and not, Oh, he was like 
that was horrible. I actually wanted to punch him. Yeah. Who knows? I, I think it's interesting, Ben. Yeah. You, you mentioned, you know, uh, still at the end of the day, after having, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram, it's still for you, you know, your referrals are coming from friends and family and kind of that bunch. I, I think a lot of people will be like, well, if I can grow my Instagram following to this amount, then I can just do really whatever the heck I want. You know, I, I think that's mm. kind of like a false narrative that a lot of photographers, you know, scum to. I mean, I, think about it a lot. I'm like, oh, if we just grow our social, then we can just do the work that we want to do. We can, you know, act the way we want on so or uh, on the wedding day itself and just kind of like <laughs> we do, can do whatever we want. But to think like, no, it's still about experience. And that's really the key to longevity. I think that's an important point um, made. Yeah. Thank and you and for from just wisdom. like a simple. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, from a, from a simple business perspective, too, like I don't ever want all of my referrals to be coming from one particular yep. thing unless that is only referrals from totally. like past clients, uh, because that is going to be hopefully for anybody, their bread and butter. They're yep. going to be getting positive referrals from people who actually worked with me. Um, and if I put all my eggs into the Instagram basket or all of it into one particular form of advertising, if that thing goes away or becomes not popular anymore, you might be toast. Yeah. Yep. So well they always say no in just general marketing, it's 50-50. You want 50% referrals, 50% yeah. marketing leads. Yeah. However you want to do that with your marketing, mm -hmm. whatever works best for you. But you can't just I some people brag about it, like I only have referrals. And I'm like, okay, what about when all your friends become mm -hmm. that group of friends all gets old and they're all married and then you <laughs> you need new leads. Yeah. But also you totally. better be getting referrals. So let's move it to our side, the the creative community side to kind of close this out. So one of the things I'm always fascinated by is people who create streams of revenue that are um not necessarily passive. Some of them are passive, but some of them are just not they're just not weddings. They're different streams of revenue, whether it be education, sure. selling presets. Um, things that are for our community, um, kind of that, that's, that's a big part of your personal business now, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so like this, I think is like the big, like this is the adventure photography of now is everyone wants to be, I think almost every creative I've spoken to at some point at the, in the conversation, when you say, what's your plan? They say, oh, I want to move into education. Mm. I want yeah. to move into presets. And, and, and so people are interested in it for good reason because they're looking at their knees and their backs and they're going, I can't keep doing this forever. <laughs> I, it, sure. You know, for you, how did that come about, this, that, this part of your life that I'm sure maybe at one point you had no idea you were ever going to get into? Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, especially with speaking and teaching and stuff like that, like it was never something that I really wanted to do. Hmm. Um, and I always felt like, um, I mean, I grew up in church and I was uh, like on staff at a church for a while. And so I had all these people around me who were really talented presenters because that's what they wanted to do. And I was just the media, music, photo, whatever guy that didn't want to do all that stuff. So I kind of always knocked myself down in those terms. Um, and so I didn't feel qualified to do it specifically. Um, and I kept being asked actually to speak at events because I've always been really engaged in the community and really a big part of the photo community and stuff like that in general. Um, but I kept turning them down because I was just like, no, it's not my thing. Like, I don't really want to do it. Um, because at the time, I guess this is probably maybe the opposite for a lot of people. But um, yeah, it was just like conferences and, and events that weren't nearly as big as they are, are now in terms of um, the industry and stuff like that. But I finally felt like uh, someone 
offered to have me speak at their events. And I was just thinking like, okay, this is, I should do this. It's out of my comfort zone, but I'm only going to do it if I find something that I really, really am passionate about presenting and really feel like A is going to be good value and B is going to be something really unique uh, that I don't hear other people talking about, right? Um, and so that's kind of how I fell into it. I ended up speaking on kind of a lot of the stuff we've been talking about today, actually, about like just treating people right, uh, not doing it for your own accolades or whatever, and uh, just kind of the whys behind like why I do photography specifically. Um, did that, and then you know someone was at that event and saw me and invited me to speak at their other event and all that stuff. Um, but my my main thing with all that too is um, I've never been someone to just as soon as there is an opportunity to just like jump into it full on and make it like a big part of who I am. I want to make sure that like what I'm doing is authentic to me. I'm not doing it uh, in haste or whatever. I probably am too reserved in those standpoints because like I said, I turned down a lot of other speaking engagements and stuff like that before I finally did my first one. Uh, but it's just been really important to me to make sure that I'm like prepared and ready and because I really value what my reputation is online and in the community and stuff like that. And so I just knew that if I was just going out there and just throwing random stuff out into the world that I wasn't educated on or didn't provide value to people that it wasn't, you know, going to be worth it in that way. So you also, um, I don't know how much of your revenue or any of your personal priorities or time or anything when it comes to the presets, but you sell presets as well. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. are they on your website or are they, do you have a separate marketplace that you sell them on? Yeah. Yeah. So I sell, I, yeah, I sell it through a separate marketplace, uh, so that I don't have to do all the back end and customer yes, service. Yes. And Which one is all it? All that good Again? stuff. <laughs> I thought it was. Uh, yeah. So my presets are called Cascade presets, um, and they are sold through Meridian presets. Ah, that's what it is. So they have like a marketplace of, you yep. know, 10 or so other people that also sell their presets through there. Yep. So, so that's kind of like, I would say like having a Meridian presets and having like, that's a lot of people that's their aspiration, I think. And it's, I think it's cool. Sure. Like go for whatever you want to go for. But, um, the, the, you were telling me the other day, you was like, you took you five years to make a preset of requests. Well, yeah. So I, with, like I said, with anything I'm doing, I, uh, had slowly developed different presets of my own through all that stuff. And then when I realized that the demand was just so high that people were con like, I would get multiple messages a day of like, what preset do you use? And then I would tell them which one from another company I'd use, but I had tweaked it so much that like, I was just like, it's beyond recognition. I realized that the demand was so high for me to make my own and people wanted my look so much uh, that I deleted every preset that I had out of my Lightroom catalog and off my computer and everything like that. And then just had every single slider and everything like that at zero. And I said, okay, if I'm going to make these and have what I would consider integrity in this process, I have to make them completely on my own, completely by myself. Um, and so it took me a good like seven, eight months of just like figuring out, okay, I have to re-engineer without seeing it from somebody else or seeing something from, you know, the actual base presets that I had used before or whatever. I have to figure out exactly how to make those things work in that way so that if someone has a problem or an issue or whatever coming back, I can tell them, oh yeah, it's because of this, we need to change this and... Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, like I said, I just zeroed out every single slider in Lightroom, all the curves, every single thing was just at zero. And then I made them from scratch so that I made sure I knew every single little bit of the process, 
uh, involved in making them. That's awesome. And, and so like that, th it's funny because I know there are people who are just like taking other people's presets, turning three or four knobs and then selling this preset, which I do understand is kind of the same on some level. But at the end of the day, like, A, I think the integrity isn't there, but also like if there was a problem, they couldn't help a person. But um, man, that's that's really fascinating. And it's like, I think with all this stuff from the very beginning, whether it be like the way you chose to shoot and the types of weddings you went for, the how you treat people, the speaking, you know, um, the presets. Am I missing anything? You got anything else you're doing these days? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do my own workshops and, and speak at conferences and presets. And what's, yeah, what's next, That's, that's about what's, it. You what, know? Are, what are you most excited about these days? You, you say, like Jay mentioned, you've kind of like... I think most photographers are probably like, Benj, he like has done it all. He has his own presets. <laughs> I, you know, he's on the Mount Olympus of like wedding photographers. Like what is exciting you now and, and you know, um, rejuvenating your, your energy these days? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I guess I, I get asked that a lot too. Um, but I feel like dumb question. about it. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. No, it's a, it's a great question because I think people assume like, uh, you, this is, I'm gonna try to find a way to not make this sound pretentious or whatever, but yeah. you can get to a level of accolade or achievement or whatever. And then people just assume, okay, cool. Like what's next? You've achieved it, but it's always like, what's next? What's next? What's next? Right. Um, but for me, it's like, no, I want to keep running this business. Photography and being a wedding photographer specifically is still at the core. It's still the bulk of my income. It's still the bulk of my time, all that stuff. So it's still me hustling for, uh, you know, gigs and leads and stuff like that. It's not like I'm just waiting for people to show up my door and pay me money to go to amazing places. I'm still yep. like working at that um, in a really serious way. But also at the same time, I am trying not to be someone that's blind and oblivious to other opportunities that I might have in terms of, you know, presets and uh, other tools for photographers or the demand for me to speak or teach at events and and stuff like that. So amazingly, mainly at this point, you know, this is the time that um, I know that you guys do stuff like this too, but I basically go through and audit all of my own personal workflows and, and what my revenue streams are and everything like that um, to make sure that I'm essentially maximizing my time and, and all that good stuff. So yeah, I'm in a, a big season of, of doing that and figuring out, okay, what's next and all that stuff. And still knowing that like photography and that thing is still clearly the bulk of my mindset and all that kind of stuff. But I, I'm also the person that unfortunately can do a lot of things well-ish. So I have, <laughs> you know, like two, I have like two seasons of a podcast completely planned out with like who I want to talk to about what and everything like that. Uh, I have, I think like 60 different videos that I want to make between either like a Patreon or a YouTube channel. So that's my main thing is I basically just need a producer to do all that stuff for me, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> isn't that, I mean, there's just a type of person and like, I, sometimes I feel like, like when we talk about our own business, I'll be like, this must seem weird to people because I do know, like mm. there are types of people that are super high energy and they have all these ideas. Mm. And like, like when I look at wedding videography, I feel like I know nothing about it. I always mm. am like, 
Oh, I suck at this. I'm terrible at this. I need to keep work. Like I never feel like we're close to good. I know we're. Con- I know I feel confident that I can yeah. do it. But I this idea of like I couldn't imagine getting a place where we were like, what else are we gonna do? Is what I mean. Like I couldn't imagine that. Like. Yeah, I would always be like, well, no, I need to improve at this. I need to get better at this. I need to do this and this. And I got this opportunity. Like, I feel like there is so much like having that kind of attitude about your business. I think is actually part of it's a strategy, actually. Just like always keeping your eye on all the areas where you can improve, always keeping your eye on opportunities, never settling. Like, yeah, not in the way that you're not grateful. Yeah, absolutely. But like, even in what you were saying, you were saying and uh, essentially repeating back that like you had things in your the way you shoot and stuff like that that you could identify with and know that you needed to improve on. I feel like a lot of people, and I've been in this situation too, where I felt like I've kind of like leveled out in terms of you know shooting or whatever growth because especially early on, growth is fast and furious, yeah, and you learn so much. You're yeah, you're your drive and everything like that is just pushing you to do amazing things, but it can definitely level out at points, but being smart enough to go, okay, these are the areas that I'm actually like lacking in or whatever. And being able to identify those is super important and super healthy in terms of, you know, trying to grow your craft at least. Well, yeah. And it's like when you're one of the reasons why we knew we were ready to do Huxley film, which is like Mm -hmm. our more high end line is because we were to the place with stop, go love where we could do it in our sleep. Yeah. And we were like, okay, now we need a new challenge. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. then, and yeah. now we need to try something new and different. And that we suck at. <laughs> I feel, yeah, it's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think like introducing challenge into your own business is an important skill. Like finding ways to introduce oh, challenges absolutely. that will push you. And like you're going, oh, I got to make a podcast. Well, that's a challenge. Oh, I got to yeah. make these YouTube. Like you have to figure those things out. That, and then I'm sure you're going to find. As you do that, that stuff will start to work backwards into your photography. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we talked about it earlier too, but I have like four of these like weird film cameras sitting on my desk right now, and I I'm like probably the only person that you guys have ever come across that only shoots with Leica rangefinder cameras for <laughs> their wedding photography. Probably, literally, I might be the only person in the United States that solely uses those cameras, right? Um, but it's also because I got to a place with my other DSLR cameras that they were just too easy. Like yeah. everything worked too good. Uh, and I needed like a challenge to make different images. And I feel like my images are better because I'm forced to be more creative well, by using that particular gear. I heard right? Jack White talk about guitars. And he said mm, he yeah. likes bad guitars because they make him play better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He wants a guitar he has to fight with, he says. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, well, I mean, that's. Yeah, that's a perfect analogy for how I have to focus my cameras. It's completely <laughs> manual focus. It's I don't see through the lens. Everything about it makes me think and forces me to think and be critical about what I'm doing in that exact moment every single time I take a photo instead of just being able to shoot from the hip or like put it up and just click a button and it automatically does everything for me. Yeah, that's awesome. What, what do you think of that new Leica SL2? Have you seen that one? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a super, I'm a super gear nerd. Yeah, yeah, so I've, I've seen every camera that comes out and could tell you more than about it than the people that actually shoot with it. I'm sure because it would make it like too that. easy for you. <laughs> it's cool. I mean, like any of that stuff, all this face yeah. tracking and eye detect and and all that stuff is just like, 
it's amazing and I do want it, but there's something about like having a lack of technology that forces you to be the one to do that stuff. Um, you know, and if I was like, I used to shoot photos for this, uh, the Seattle Seahawks, sorry, Boston, or I guess you're welcome, <laughs> no, Boston, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Thanks a lot for that. You're welcome. welcome. Yeah. I was uh, at that game, but I, oh, don't talk to me about it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I used to do that. And obviously I couldn't photograph that with a Leica very well in comparison to <laughs> yeah. all these, you know, other well, cameras. What about but your at the purity time, binge? <laughs> but I was I was still out. photographing when I when I first started I was photographing those uh, games on the original Canon 5D which had horrible autofocus <laughs> yes and so I I had to like you know really really like think and pre determine where I was going to be and... <laughs> no <laughs> I was using my own gear so it was my <laughs> it was my own fault uh, but yeah with with anything like that I mean uh, you're talking about you know, presenting your own challenges and stuff like that and identifying those things. It also goes the same thing with your business. You know, I feel like so many people have big issues with their business and they aren't uh, paying enough attention to what those things are to be able to fix them because they can't identify the problem in the first place, right? So mm -hmm. anything with that, finding the way to essentially, yeah, be able to identify those problems so you can fix them either creatively or in business or anything like that is insanely well, crucial. Isn't that just, I always talk about weddings. This is my rant on wedding storytelling. I think that when videographers say that they're storytelling, that they're storytellers, I'm like, you're probably not, you know, you're a documenter, mm. but you're not telling a story because you're not crafting anything. Cause like there are rules to stories and yeah. stories have tension. That's how a story is mm -hmm. good. You would never watch a movie that was man goes to, <laughs> has a yeah. really good morning just, and then it gets better yeah. and then it gets better and then it gets better and then it's the best. He's considering yeah. Yeah. not actually marrying her <laughs> Everything's, today. No, you have to do <laughs> the drama. Yeah, and so like oh my really gosh. the tension in that would be awful. <laughs> the really yeah. good You're editors You're going to be the antagonist here, the weather. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like really good editors will introduce tension. You'll see like kind of even horror elements and really <clears throat> interesting things um and so some, there are filmmakers who are excellent storytellers. And every once in a while you get a wedding with really good audio, like the audio is really strong and it gives you an arc. But in general, you're not necessarily telling a story so much as you're documenting something that's just happening. But like if you can find a way to introduce tension into it, then it becomes more interesting, even just visual tension, finding things sure. like that. And I yep. think the same thing happens with your business. Your business has to be a story. And if you don't have a story and you don't produce tension, I, this is me. I need this to be interested. Maybe everyone else doesn't need this, but I need to have a fight with my own business mm. that I have to fight that I will get me up in the morning and give me the adrenaline to yeah. do what I need to do. And it's a great, great skill of like not picking fights with people, not creating relationships that yeah. are stressful, not complaining or whining about your business, but finding a challenge that will make it feel like there's momentum to your story. Like I don't know, you're, are you? Do you play yeah. video games? Are you, you're not a video gamer at all? I I I no, I don't really in, play. In I don't really days. play much video games. I do, but yeah, not not a. Ton. I remember not a like when I was a kid, I'd play a video game, and then you'd get you like an RPG or whatever. You get yeah. all the gold, all the weapons, yeah. level up, and you're like, I'm done with this game. Yeah, you never want to oh, play yeah. it again. You don't want to totally. play things yeah. like what, that. What is there to do now? Yeah. And that like like wrestling with your art and your business, that is what you're doing. 
you're not being, being successful is not that fun. Like it, it's, there's a reward to it, but a lot of people and they're in the middle of their business and they're actually supposed to be enjoying the thing that they're doing, the tension, the struggle. And instead they just can't wait to get on the other side of it. And I'm like, no, like lean into it, figure it out. Yeah. Cause that's where you're going to grow. That's what's going to teach you is like that moment of tension that you have to struggle with will make you great mm-hmm. and it will make it fun. Um, so we're going to end the podcast with a question, which I kind of prepped you on. So what is your favorite thing right now, Binge Hage? What are you, what's just like, we, we do it every podcast with somebody and, and we get a range of answers. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, so we talked, we, we started the podcast with it. We're going to end with that for me. Uh, I recently got this, it's a Fujifilm class W it's a point and shoot film camera. It has a 28 millimeter lens. Uh, and it's my favorite thing. I carry it with me every single day. Uh, and it a forces me to like, you know, document my life, my life well and all that stuff. But also, uh, it's a tiny little camera that has a ton of limitations to it. And so, uh, I'm always trying to take it and take photos of my kid and and my life and stuff like that, but also make interesting stuff with it wherever I am. Um, and so, yeah, it's a good kind of combo for me of being able to, yeah, document my life well, but also always be having some sort of photography mindset. So I'm constantly sort of like sharpening my craft a little bit, if that makes sense. So I've been experimenting with lens whacking, free lensing. Basically, (laughs) you get a really small lens. lens whacking? Yeah, that's what videographers call it. Interesting. Okay. Because basically you're hitting it against it the whole time. Um, all right. That's all really right. why they call it that? Yeah, yeah, because like you use the distance uh, to That's focus. Funny. I thought it was because it looked wacky. Why don't you guys just no. call it free lensing? I don't know. I actually heard it lens whacking before free lensing. Hmm. Yikes. That just, and I then, don't like that. <laughs> you don't like whacking it? <laughs> no, that's 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 where the connotation goes. Yeah. That's what yeah. That's <laughs> so that's what they call But I've been, I've been experimenting with that um, just because there were some shots I was looking at in a wedding, and I was like, oh, this is so boring, but I need this shot. How do I introduce movement mm-hmm. into this without adding movement? Like, Because I don't want I want it to be static, yeah. but also have movement. Yeah. And sure. So I've been messing around with that. It's too bad it's like the hardest thing in the world to do on video. Oh, it's, <laughs> you got to get the right lens. I don't have the right lens yet. Yeah. I think I want to look at some of the Nikons. A lot of people like those with the EF mounts. But um, So that's what I've been into. Yeah. Mine is uh, Resolve, DaVinci Resolve, which Ooh. is always it's a, it's a color corrector <laughs> bench for you photographers out there. Oh, I, I know. Uh, I, like I said, I'm a nerd. I've never used it, but I know yeah. lots of things about it because I'm a nerd. I, it, I've, I, I've actually... I've dove into it in years past and just like, this is not for me. Like I just, I got to get out of this. this is like, you know, but it kind of goes to our conversation a little bit of like, you know, I have no idea what we're doing. This stinks. And it's like, I, I watched a Ted talk recently and they were talking about like, you know, it really only takes 20 hours to have that tr- projection of like, now I know how to at least do a thing before I didn't I, hmm. like, I don't know how to even like touch you know, this and interface with this, it takes probably is actually kind of embarrassing for people who literally can't do anything that it's like, you haven't put, you were not even willing to give 20 hours to this. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, I I think I've put my 20 hours in and resolve and it's fine or yeah. And and resolve and it's finally starting to pay off where I'm like, can actually do things. And it's really exciting me. Isn't it weird how, when you're using an NLE or editing software or any kind of technology, 
it's like you have to retrain your brain to think in that language. Yeah. That like whatever that oh, design yeah. language is. And like at first it's like infuriating. And then yeah. once you get it, then you're like anticipating it and you're using it when you're shooting. Yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. With anything. Even with like, this is so funny. I never play video games, but I only play them in the off season, sort of. And yeah, I same. went from playing Zelda Breath of the Wild to playing some other game, and the Dude, controls were all, they were all backwards. And so, me trying to play this game for like the first probably 20 hours or yeah. whatever, I don't even know if I gave it that many hours, but it was just like, Every time I would come across something, I would just be smacking my head into the wall, just going like, why? Because my natural inclination is to do the exact opposite of this. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's, it's, it's crazy. And, you know, it's funny. I don't know why I keep introduced. Maybe I just like challenges. I'm a person who's, I like challenges. Yeah. Um, yeah. But right. I, we're, both, we're both ADD to, to the max. So. <laughs> Elemental P. Yes. Yeah. Easily uh, yeah, bored. Yeah. Easily bored. Hey, Benj, thank you so much for being on today. We really appreciate it. Um, I did want to ask you one more question, Benj. With, uh, oh, hit me. With, yeah. With, with, with uh, the Astros and Red Sox kind of um, their downward trajectory, yes. how, how do you, how's your Seattle Burn team Burn it to the ground. Are they, they going to make it to the, uh, the series no, this year or what? terrible. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not a chance. The Mariners are still rebuilding, so yeah, yeah. No, the still? Mariners had the longest, longest playoff drought in North American sports. So <laughs> any team, any league, they have haven't been to the playoffs. Yeah, since I was Is almost that in high true? school. Even like the even like yep. the Browns, even like terrible. No, they've like been to the playoffs. They might yeah. not have, have a playoff win, but they've been. Okay. We haven't been to the playoffs since two thousand four, I think, or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and, and baseball the, the has NFL like has more parody. We could do a yeah. sports podcast. Baseball keeps oh, yeah. baseball keeps inventing <laughs> new ways to get into the playoffs, and they still can't do it. <laughs> nope. Yeah, we've been a couple games away, and like we'll just blow it at the end. But yeah, the Mariners, the Mariners are not not. Uh, hmm. They're developing. So does Felix Hernandez still fun play year. for you? No, he literally he just signed. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, he just signed with the, signed. the Braves. Yep, wow. with Atlanta, they have a he has a one year, one million dollar contract. If I he makes the 40 love. Fe- I used to love Felix Hernandez, Ugh, dude. I he was love amazing. Felix Hernandez, but he didn't innovate. He kept trying to do what he'd always done. Here, this is a good way to end this. <laughs> he kept trying to do what he'd always done. He didn't innovate his craft. He didn't do the things that he needed to do to be successful. Once that particular skill that he had went away. And then it failed him, and he be- went from like one of the best pitchers in the league to probably maybe not making uh, a, making a roster. And yeah. he's as old as I am, so yeah, you know yeah, he's bad. Um, but I love him. Hey, Bench, thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate yeah, you. you. Maybe we'll run into you at um, in uh, WPPI. Let us know when you start your yeah. baseball podcast. We'll, yeah. We'd love to be. Yeah. <laughs> we would, there we're we actually we're in a, a Don't fantasy give me a, sports I need, league. Yeah. I have too many ideas. Don't give me another one. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, man. All right, dude. Have an awesome day, man. Cool. Thanks, guys. See ya.